Welcome to the Information Entry Podcast, where we explore the vast and complex world of science and technology. I'm your host, Mitchell, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Tom Jakes, a science Hello. enthusiast and space fanatic. It's even in his online handles, Spaceman. <laughs> this week, we're yep. taking a cosmic journey and delving into the fascinating realm of space, from the mysteries of black holes to the search of extraterrestrial life. We'll be discussing it all in a four-part series. I know, like, literally five seconds ago, I said we weren't going to do this as, like, introduction as, like, a yeah. four-part series. But I, I've now reading, like, through the uh, this intro. It makes loads more sense. So, you know what? Four-part series. We're exploring the, la- the latest advancements in space technology and exciting prospects of interstellar travel, where I will be trying not to mention interstellar, the movie, as much ding, as ding, I ding. possibly can. Yeah. Together, Tom and I will break down complex scientific concepts into digestible pieces and explore the latest discoveries and breakthroughs in space exploration. So buckle up and get ready for an interstellar adventure with the Information Entry Podcast. Roll the intro! You can follow us at Twitter at InfoEntryPod, Instagram, Information Entry Pod, or on Spotify, Stitch, iTunes, wherever you get your good podcasting uh, listens. If you can give us a rating on those platforms, it'd be great. It does us an absolute service. If you don't like us, give us a low star, tell us why, so we can improve. As you know, science is a constant discovery, and we keep working towards the future. Yeah. Strive for greatness. Yep. Or other things. Things. How are we? How's it going? We're right. We're right. It's uh, it's busy at the minute. The reason why we're having to do a four-part series is because I'm I'm jet setting. Field work beckons. Um, Ahoy! So yeah, field work ahoy. Um, So that's gonna be exciting. Lots of uh, prepping for that, but good prepping. Stressful prepping, but good prepping. Um, That's for you, yeah. So I guess like a side note for that is, you know, when we get into this third and fourth episode, the news may not seem as relevant <laughs> or it may be <laughs> yeah. three to four weeks uh, delayed. But uh, well, you said still, it may watching... not have come across. You may not come across yeah. it. So, you know, I was watching some Telerian Academy, which is a D&D uh, YouTube channel. Yeah. They do break down some pretty obscure rules, but they also have like a commander session and they released one last week and they were like, you know, it's 2022. And I was like, wait a second. This was <laughs> recorded last year. Um, so, you know, people record ahead of time. It's how it's how you, you know, you break it down, get the metrics, all the good stuff. So a little bit yeah, behind the veil. All right. Um, well, let's get cracking, shall we? What's, what's on the, the news agenda this week? Weirdly, it's space related. Was it? Oh, that's good. Because we're doing a space series, yeah. You know, back in the day, we talked about a theory of ours about the like the, how this space is space tectonics, we, space tectonics. Yeah, yeah. So a bit, a bit in the line of our theory of the space tectonics. Do you want to outline that theory very quickly for people? Who oh, are okay. Thinking, what so, the hell uh, we're on about? Because that was a while ago. Yeah, well, maybe was, not on this podcast. The, the idea that the whole of like outer space is connected by like these tectonic masses that that move and they're all connected much like a web yeah because like different parts of space are moving further away from each other right so there must be yeah it's, it's the, it's the expansion. Of space. space must be created yeah. somewhere and maybe mm-hmm. black holes are like the tectonic the zones going, exactly exactly of the, of the universe yeah we're still so waiting for our was... nobel prize yeah, it's in the mix, but it's coming. <laughs> yeah, so there's obviously like subduction absorption zones, which is where like space actually increases in size. Well, we've talked about this before, and it's such a ridiculous thing to wrap your head around just space expanding. Yeah, because it's not just like you've got a box and now you've got a bigger box. It's like it's the same box, but it's taking up more space. Like yeah. the actual area has expanded you haven't just got more of said area it's not like you've drawn a, a, a square on the ground then gone around and drawn a bigger square it's like that square has grown and somehow is now larger because that's what happens out there in the big yeah. bad universe world pretty wild isn't it yeah 
but that space has to come from somewhere. And our idea is that black holes absorb that or subduct that space and then pop it out elsewhere. Yeah, whether they pop it out or it's created in undetected forces as of yet, you know, that's the other side of the theory that needs yeah, like on. dark, dark so shenanigans are happening with dark matter, and Shen- you know, shenanigans. Could be, yeah, we'll get we'll get on to dark matter. I'm sure in this in this full part, um, it's always funny talking about dark matter because you always talk about what isn't dark matter. So, <laughs> uh, so onto the news. It's, it's a bit like plate tectonics, but. Uh, Astronomers spotted shockwaves shaking the web of the universe for the first time. Oh. So it makes the universe look like an interconnected web of different universes and galaxies. Uh, So for the first time, astronomers have caught a glimpse of the shockwaves rippling along the strands of the cosmic web, the enormous tangle of galaxies, gas, dark matter that fills the observable universe. Combining hundreds of thousands of radio telescope images revealing the faint glow cast of shockwaves and charged particles flying through magnetic fields that run along the cosmic web, they have spotted these shockwaves that could give astronomers a better look at these large-scale magnetic fields, whose properties and origins are largely mysterious. Which is absolutely wild. Uh, it's just like we think of space as this. There's nothingness and nothing interconnects this galaxy with that galaxy apart from maybe they're moving towards or away from each other. But they're actually connected through the cosmic web, which we will get onto in a later episode, if that's confusing. It is confusing, (laughs) so don't worry. Um, So everything's interconnected. and It's absolutely wild. Yeah. So uh, the radio astronomer, Tessa Vernstrom, right second name. Great uh, name. That's a strong strong science uh, name that is. It is. Do you know what? When I was like, yeah, that sounds like a sounds like a scientist. Uh, so I think she said a single shock wave in a filament would look like nothing. It would just look like absolute noise. But instead of looking at a single shock wave, Vernstrom and her colleagues combined radio images of more than six hundred thousand pairs of galaxy clusters, close enough to be connected by the filament. So we'll get onto filaments as well as the web because filaments is its own thing, which is like they're connected by tubes to create a single stacked image this amplified weak signals and revealed that on average there's a faint radio glow from the filaments between clusters the discovery goes beyond confirming the prediction of the cosmic web simulation the polarized radio emissions also offer a rare peek at the magnetic fields that permeate the cosmic web if only indirectly pretty wild it's almost like we're looking at a brain from the inside Right. If okay. the cosmic web was brain neurons, do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Next theory coming out next week. <laughs> Is the universe one big brain? Is it? You heard Are it here first. Particles. Are we just neurons firing along synapses with a neurotransmitters, oh. which everyone oh, we should know about now? Uh, on a black hole. Oh, maybe. Is that, that theory as well? The disc. There is that theory. Um, I'm not sure how much I believe that one, but, you know, we can't falsify it, so must be true. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's dive in. To Let's dive space. in. Yeah. So, there's, so, do you know what you said, inner space and outer space? Well, you know, the inner solar system, outer solar system. Yeah. Yeah. But you, but you originally said inner space in one of our messages, and I was like, oh, what is inner space? Uh, essentially the sea. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, that's true. So I started down that route and went, hmm, it's getting aquatic. Not really off-worldly. Uh, uh, so you can either go spiritual or you can go see uh, when you're looking at anything <laughs> about space. inner space. Yeah, yeah. I was practicing mindfulness for my inner space, expanding my inner space. Um, I do that by eating, actually. I don't need mindfulness. Uh, so, <laughs> fun facts. <laughs> yeah. Do, have you got any facts? I, I do. Oh wow! I know. We're, on a roll. We're on a roll with the whole fact front. I know. Um, I missed that last week. Felt bad. Uh, so I thought I'd come back strong this week. Um, my facts relate to moons, though, because okay. I was asking um, the question: Are there any planets that don't have moons? And there are. Do you, Do you know them? Um, Pop quiz. Mercury. Correct. Oh, nailed it. Oh, that's it. I'm not, I'm not going to guess anymore. I'm going to uh, Venus it is the other one. Uh, yes, the only yeah. two planets without satellites, moons. 
And then yeah. on the other end of the spectrum, you've got Jupiter and Saturn, which have 80 and right. 83, respectively. 83? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, far, you know, when we, is I'm a, pretty when sure is we're an discovering more you know? Oh, I'll get onto that later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good thing I also, I went in on the old moon front. I got, so I got a bit on the moon. Oh, good. We love the sort moon. Fa- moon. I've got moon facts as well. Oh, tasty stuff. Go on. So I've got, I got, I got, I got sun facts and I have moon facts. What do you want first? Let's stick with the stick with the moon theories. Facts. Okay. Moon moon <laughs> facts. Okay. Um So <laughs> this is a ridiculous fact that I found, which I always find hilarious. And it says the sun and the moon are actually not the same size. <laughs> Holy shit. From Earth, wait, hold on. <laughs> From Earth, the moon the moon <laughs> the moon the sun and the moon combined they make the the moon uh they both look about the same size and this is because the moon is 400 times smaller than the sun but also 400 times closer to earth that's why it looks the same size a freak anomaly that seems so normal yeah like because we that's just how we experience it right and why why we get perfect solar eclipses but that yes, really happens. Uh, the reason why. Yeah. Isn't there like a set amount of like moons between the sun and the earth as well? Like it's like, it's like four, like eight. Oh, I think it's and because the moon happens to be a multiple of four, right? So yeah, like the diameter so of the like, moon happens to be a multiple of four. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that does, that does work. But I'm pretty sure you could just keep changing the units you're using. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them would work. Are you doing it in inches? Are you doing it in centimeters? Are you doing it in miles, yeah. fathoms? You know, uh, one of them would work eventually. How deep is the sun away from the earth? <laughs> uh, how deep is the moon? So, how deep is your moon? Isn't that a song about like that? <laughs> that is that is not where I was. That's not where I was going. Uh, that is a great song though. Yeah, uh, but it's love, uh, not moon. I know. I, Shame. I think everybody knows, to be honest. Uh, oh, I don't think good. anybody's listened to that song and been like, is he saying, is she saying mun? <laughs> no. Uh, so the moon makes the earth move as well as the tides, if you didn't know. Yeah. So everyone knows that the moon is pretty partly responsible for causing the tides of our ocean and the seas. So but when so Neil deGrasse Tyson, when he explained this to me, it blew my absolute gourd okay. that... I'm trying to explain how like water around the earth works and why it seems like it's like putting the tides in and out yeah. and that it actually isn't the case whatsoever no and the water is actually like always pulled and then because the earth's spinning it appears to us like the tides going in and out but actually it's the earth you know the water staying in one point and the earth rotating through it yeah yeah, it's just, it's just such it's, a crazy way to think about. It's just the water going up and down, right, in place. But because yeah. the Earth's spinning in a as the and the moon rotates around it, of course, basically the water on Earth bulges towards the moon. Yeah, right? if you imagine like an uh, the shape of an eye, is this not like quite circular? It's like elliptical. Yeah, like the fancy way of saying oval. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, then, like an oval. It's like an oval, and then of course, as the water, the bulge is in the same place relative to the moon, the Earth rotates. Yeah. So, high tide happens when uh, the water's in line with the moon, and then low tide happens when it's perpendicular, so at a right angle to the moon. Um, yeah, and then you get high spring tides and high neap tides. Do you know how they work? No. Okay, so imagine we got a high tide because the moon is directly above us or directly below us, right? If the moon and the sun line up, Uh, the gravitational forces from them combined make the high tide higher. Yeah, people don't know that. Yeah. This was worth saying is the sun also has effect on our tides. It does. Not as much because the moon's a lot closer. Um, But when they line up, the high tide gets higher. And when they are opposite from each other, the high tide is lower. And the low tide at that point is the lowest it will be. Um, You know something else as well that compounds this? Yeah. Uh, 
it also causes the tide of rock to rise and fall as well. Oh, so it yeah, it's appears weird, higher because the gravity is also pulling. Yeah, which like the mantle, right? Yeah, the whole mantle like shifts towards, you know, the moon. Yeah, but it's about Pretty a centimeter wild. of each tide. If you didn't know, is it? Yeah, but I guess because we're all on the continental shelf, we move with it, right? We don't really realize. No, no, no. Yeah, mad. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. Other moon fact? Do you want another yeah. one? Moonquakes. Oh. So we got earthquakes, but the moon has moonquakes, and it's caused by the gravitational influence of the Earth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, unlike quakes on Earth, though, moonquakes last for about half an hour, and then but they're much weaker than earthquakes, because we've got a molten core, just like Torbjorn from Overwatch. What? <laughs> uh, his, uh, in Overwatch, there's a character who creates turrets. And okay. his ultimate ability, he absolutely yells molten core and goes absolutely ham with his hammer on the, the turret. Fair. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, put, put, put some coolness into that. <laughs> <laughs> that. Along with the moon fact, uh, I think it's something called tidal gravitational tide or something like that like where the io is a moon of jupiter right and jupiter has a similar effect on its moon where because it's stretching it as it moves around the core like stretches uh, one way then the other way and that keeps happening and it's basically heated up the inside of its moon so much that now io has a molten core our moon isn't at that level because the gravitational force on the moon from earth isn't that strong to create that um but that is what causes moonquakes which is mad pretty crazy definitely the worst zombie map though what moon (laughs) moon (laughs) i like moon i I like it here and there it's uh yeah well we'll talk about that at another point was the the black and white aesthetic at the start was different nice oh that's ascension that is Oh, no, okay, yeah, you're right. Moon sucks, Ascension's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ascension's a good time. Um, uh, yeah, any any like more facts? Um, not about the moon, I've got some, like, other space works. Okay. Go for I've it. Got the sun. Not only the moon, I've got some sun facts as well. Uh, I've gone hard on the sun. Uh, okay, well, you know, we'll come on to the sun later then, I guess. More suns. <laughs> ah. Stars. I mean, there's only one sun. There there's multiple stars. Sun. So, people that have to realise out there that stars don't actually twinkle. No, they so don't. So, stars appear to twinkle or scintillate. That's what the, the name is. Scintillate? Scintillate or scintillate, if okay. you mention. Um, yeah. Especially when they're near the horizon. So, one star, Sirius, twinkles, sparkles and flashes so much sometimes that people actually report it as UFO. But in fact, the twinkling is not a property of the star, of the Earth's turbulent atmosphere. As the light passes through the atmosphere, especially when the star appears near the horizon, it must pass through many layers and often rapidly different densities. This has the effect of deflecting the light slightly as if it were a ball in a pinball machine. Light eventually gets to your eyes, and every deflection causes it to slightly change colour and intensity. The resulting is twinkling. So cool. So, tw- twinkle, twinkle, <laughs> little star is a goddamn lie. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> my tagline for this. Uh, it's also why, if there's a really, if the the moon's really large, you got a big moon, uh, and it's by the horizon, um, it'll appear, appear orange. Yeah, it's the light is passing through the gas of the atmosphere to give it that that tint, that hue. Yeah, we had that here on Tuesday. Yeah, we had it this week as well. It was the worm. Depends, it also depends where you are in the world makes it, say, I say worse, but uh, changes the colour more. Like if you're close to the equator, I can imagine it being more, less. Depends what time of year. Yeah, okay. I, I guess it depends on how much atmosphere it has to travel through, right? Yeah, so um, how close off the point from the equator. Yeah. Okay, um, I dig it. So, second one is the sun is used as a standard scientific unit. And we'll come on, I'll probably come on to that a bit later. Okay, 
Yeah, I'm intrigued about that. Yeah. All right. Um, sticking with the sun then, I thought I'd do a quick dive on the sun because, you know, inner planets, but, you know, for us on Earth, the sun is rather important. Um, I don't yeah, know how important, well, especially from the perspective of, you know, life. It's pretty much how everything uh, goes on around here. Um, so, a bit of background information. I won't go too deep since we've got a lot a lot to cover on the planets. But uh, mm-hmm. the Sun is a G-type main sequence star. Now, G-type just means it ain't too big. And main sequence means it's just like... It's not an infant star. It's not a dying star. It's just in its main sequence of life. Um, for some reason, they just don't call that, you know, adulthood. It's, imagine it's an adult. It's an adult star. All right. There we go. It's having its midlife mm-hmm. crisis. All of that fun stuff. Um, informally, although not completely accurately, it's referred to as a yellow dwarf. Um, even though the, the light from the sun is actually white. And approximately 4.6 billion years ago, it formed. And every single second. Now, this blew my mind. So in the center of the sun, the whole reason why it's hot, obviously is nuclear fusions going on. It is taking hydrogen, smashing hydrogen atoms together to form helium. Now, every second, it fuses 600 million tons of hydrogen into helium, Mm. a process that converts 4 million tons of matter into energy. That energy then takes between 10,000 and 170,000 years just to leave the sun, to go from the middle of the sun to the outside of the sun, where it turns into light and heat. Well, it's already turned into heat at that point. Pretty hot in there. Um, yeah, it's a little bit. So to me, it's crazy that it takes up to 170,000 years for, let's say, a molecule to be fused to the core, travel to the outside. Just a fraction of that energy is turned into light, where a light particle is emitted, and then that takes eight minutes to reach us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a pretty wild sequence of events for me in my head. <laughs> it's just in my head. No one else's head, just in my, my head. head. Um, <laughs> the sun then, 75%, give or take, is hydrogen, 23.8% helium, and the rest is what, what's and kind of weird in astronomy is that everything that's not hydrogen or helium in the context of suns is referred to as a metal. So for us, metals are just that, you know, really hard thing. Uh, But Mm -hmm. in context of sun, anything heavier than helium, so anything heavier than two uh, electrons, two neutrons, two whatever, is a metal. And basically the sun will just keep going on, smashing these atoms together until it runs out of hydrogen and then it will do the same with helium. And then it will do the same with copper and with oxygen. And that's basically how we get the heavier elements in the solar system and the universe as a whole. So if ever you're feeling sad, just remember you are basically thinking stardust. Yeah, you know, it's just got to keep everything in perspective, doesn't it? At the yeah. end of the day. Indeed. Um, I have a question. I don't know what the the stars or the the night sky is looking like down for you at the minute, but the sun has been having some major magnetic activity going on, which has meant a lot of people, especially up here in Scotland and across the UK, have been seeing lots of aurora this week. Uh, Have you caught any glimpses of that down down by you? I'm way too far south. Too far south? Um, I was one of the few people who didn't see it. Classic. (laughs) Classic Tom absolute classic um but i think it's one of those things that the magnetic activity of the sun isn't spoken about all that much like we we hear about it but what actually is it and this kind of leads along the lines of your whole filament mag mag magnet stuff from earlier Mm -hmm. so the earth yeah if you look at any magnet it's got a field around it the earth has a magnet around it as well but so does the sun that stretches out way beyond the solar system, which I didn't know. It goes 8 billion miles away from the sun. And that's actually used as the marker as where the solar system ends, the heliosphere. 
And basically every single planet, every single particle within that is affected by the sun's magnetic field. So solar flares and coronal mass ejections are things that happen on the surface of the sun. If you've ever seen a close-up visual, you'll see like rings of fire ejecting from the surface. This is a coronal mass ejection or a solar flare. And basically those charged particles will travel through space and hit Earth. And when they hit Earth, we get things like aurora because they channel down our magnetic field and create Aurora beautiful Borealis. lights in the sky. Yeah, yeah, or Borealis Australis, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's just a quick, brief sunscription. But why does it have a gravitational field, Tom? But why? Um, yeah. I'm going to let you answer this. You've asked the question. <laughs> that's not how this works <laughs> i wouldn't want to steal your thunder i mean i feel like you've you've prepped this answer and i haven't i you, you do I, I haven't but i can oh, okay. bungle through it okay let, let's bungle through it together go for it so start. right so everything <laughs> <laughs> if something has a mass right yeah uh Everything with a mass has gravity, right? It will has a gravitational field. And this is because it. mass causes a curvature in space-time. Yeah. According to the theory of relativity. Exactly. So Mr. Um, Einstein said. So Mr. Einstein said. And yeah. when you get up to the scale of planets... Yeah, it's obviously... Suns. <sighs> like, okay, large. my phone has a field of gravity around it. I have a field mm -hmm. of gravity around me, but not enough to actually put something in orbit around myself, right? Uh, but when yeah. you get up to the size of a planet, there's so much mass in a s confined space, i.e. the Earth, that it can capture something like the moon in its orbit. Yeah. Um, and so Einstein's theory was that density or mass... <laughs> will uh -huh. cause a curvature in what's known as space-time. And if you imagine like a cloth and you roll a ball across it, it'll just go in a straight line and nothing will stop it. But if you have something pulling that cloth down, the ball will start to circle around that and end up towards the piece of weight. But because it's in gravity and there's not actually anything pulling it down, it just ends up going in circles around it. Um, yeah. That's an easier way to visualize it than actually trying to wrap your head around the mat, the mess that is what is gravity. <laughs> I, yeah. I think that covers it, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially. It's things with large mass have large gravitational fields. Exactly. And that's yeah, why the sun, which is so much bigger than everything else, captures all of the planets. Yes. And that's why black holes have massive gravitational fields that suck in a lot of things because they have a lot of mass. Yeah, it's so much mass on such a small point Yeah, that even light travelling at light speed, literally, yeah. cannot escape the gravitational pull. Because mm -hmm. you've got to remember that light is still well you know it can be a wave as well as a, <laughs> a particle <laughs> a particle but if you think of it in this instant as a particle and it's a little race car trying to get away from a black hole it can't out outrun the black holes yeah and it's very interesting when it comes to light because it's one of those things we just accept we can't you know it moves in a straight line all the time it just bounces off things and then eventually into our eye but when you get to things such as like fiber optic cables you can literally control the direction of light um so that shows that it is can behave like a wave or particle uh and why black holes can stop it moving in a forward direction and bring it back so yeah gravity mm -hmm. big still going to, down and down a fiber optic cable it's still going in a straight line though just keep it that. is it is bouncing around but like it's for the sake of lines. yeah true but it's curved <laughs> Straight line curves. <laughs> no, it's a straight line, but to us, it seems like it's curving because that's just how we view things on a bigger scale, right? 
Yeah. But it is, yeah, straight lining. Straight lining. Straight lining. All right. How about planets then? I, d- I, didn't, I didn't do anything on planets. Oh, did you planets. not? Okay. All right, I just had a look at some stars, like the different stages, the life cycle of a star, the sun as a scientific unit. Okay, how about we stick on sun stuff then? We're, we're here, so why don't we stick with sun stuff? And <laughs> well, we're here to now, planets, so we may as well stay. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Let's, it's so cold here in Scotland um, that I want to imagine being next to a giant ball of fiery gas because that would warm me up inside. Labes. Yeah. All right, take it away. Well, everyone didn't know, the, uh, the solar mass... A solar mass is the mass of the of our sun. Quite selfish, aren't we? Well, we're we're taking the point of view that we're the only you know intelligent beings across For the world. Sure. So it's, that's why. Um, I like to imagine in these circumstances, you know, like hundreds of thousand years in the future, if we ever expand into the universe, some scientist being like, oh yeah, this star we found is like 3.091 solar masses and like whoever decided what one solar mass was you know and it will all well if you want to know it's 1.989 times 10 to the power of 30 kilograms oh yeah that's a lot about 333,000 earths damn fair play that's how how heavy it is yeah so it's a basic unit as as you know, same as gram. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Oh, it's an SI but... unit. Yeah, an SI unit. Ah, okay. So like, like uh, kilo. meter. Hmm. Like meter. Yeah. Uh, lumens. Liter. Liter. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yes other ones but all, obviously all of those go into like centimeter millimeter like every si bite. unit can be broken down bite come bite. on bite yeah is that an si unit yeah because you got kilobyte megabyte gigabyte he says <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure i'm sure like length is meter time is seconds so- amount of a substance is the mole for all you chemists out there, yes. I haven't had to think about that in a while. Electrical current is ampere. Temperature oh, he, is psst. Kelvin. Oh, PSI. Ah, yeah. Pressure. Yeah. Luminous intensity is candela. Yeah. Mass kilogram. Yeah, mass those are the main ones. Going. Yeah, mass is kilograms. Because then that goes into grams. Mm-hmm. Milligrams, yeah. Uh, the thing is, okay, I don't think bits and bytes are because it's not to the 10. Yeah. I think because, they've, like, they've taken the normal convention of kilo and mega, but they're not technically a standard unit yet. It wouldn't surprise me if they become one because we're so technologically reliant, right? Yeah. Um, and every computer system uses that. So, but yeah, there is um, a version which is like bits and bytes, which does have the correct thousand. So one kilobit is a thousand bits, and one byte is eight. But you've got um, a kibibit, um, which okay. one kibibit is one thousand twenty-four which is what I use and most other people use. Right. And then you've got one mebibit, bit, which is 1,048,576 bytes. Okay. Maybe because it's not base 10, it hasn't been uh, used as an SI unit then. Yeah. So one megabyte is 10 to the power of six bytes and one gigabyte is 10 to the power of nine as the same is gigabinary, terabinary, petabinary. Okay. Whereas one maybe bits is two to the power of 20 and then bytes go two to the power of 10 two to the power of 20 two to the power of 30 going kilo mega giga 
terror oh, I get you. compared to okay. yeah. So right. it's two. Then it flips it that way. Maybe one day then it'll it'll make its mark and land on the SI units page. Well, <laughs> that's why that's why <laughs> the megabyte is. I mean, yeah, I'm currently on it. The prefixes with binary multiples is quite interesting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, which is interesting because that mass is gonna it's gonna change, isn't it? Oh, the mass of the sun. Yeah. Yeah, it will. Um, so I wonder if that's in relation to a specific time period. Like that was the mass of the sun on the first of January midnight. You the year 2000. And that seems like a very yeah. odd time to pick, but a lot of like computer systems are built off that, aren't they? I think. Was it 1979 or some really random year? Um, a lot of computer timing systems uh. just reference this number of seconds since uh, the 1st of January 1979, I think it is. Does this ring a bell to you? Uh, no. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Trying to find what it is. System time. Because I remember when I was first learning Python, um, you'd have to reference the number of seconds since the year 2000 or something weird like that. But... Oh, yeah. nineteenth, uh, Friday, December 30th, 1970. Zero 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 is the Unix epoch. Yeah, and you count the number of seconds since the first of January nineteen seventy uh, at exactly midnight, and that's how some computers work out the time. Yeah, didn't they have the issues with the old um two uh, K two K event? Why two K? Um, I don't yeah. think that was because of that. That was because they hadn't coded computers like databases. Databases, databases to go, go from over. 1999 to go to 2000, right? Yeah, it was the bit carried over. The The thing wasn't large enough. I can't remember exactly without getting... I got the research yeah. for it, but we're not... We're, this is you know, not the place. It's all about episode. suns. Suns. It's all about the life cycle of a star. Yeah. They're born. They go on to... They go to school, what? pack lunches. They, they go to school, pack lunches. They, they learn to sing. They then go on... If you got talent, what? Have you got talent? That's the that's just a show. It's the I'm, I'm just saying it's like a generic game. Have you show. got talent? Oh, okay. I don't think yeah, I've heard of that one. Was it Britain's Got Talent? It's Britain's oh, got talent. okay. Britain's I'm, Got Talent. I'm trying to keep this international. Yeah. Oh, I and see. then they become a star, and then yeah. you know they burn out after two years, like a re <laughs> like a real sunwood, <laughs> and then they wash up and explode. Yeah, pretty much. Like a real sun. Like, like a, a real a star. star. Like a real um, star. But no, seriously, walk, walk me, walk me through. What's what's a what's a life cycle of a star like? You know, on the reg. On the on the reg on the yeah. regular. So the the thing being right is it matters what size because depending on the size, there's some divergence that go that happens. Okay. So I'll, I'll I'll start on a small star, like a small one. So you got the, there's seven. Ugh, this is not seven. There's nine stages to a small star. The first one is the star's born. Great movie starring Lady Gaga. Um, in a, in a region of highly high density nebula, and it condenses into a huge globule of gas and dust and contracts under its own gravity. So what essentially that happens is there's loads, loads like space dust and you know space dust gas in a on a plane because you know the whole of the universe is spinning so everything is on a plane just because that's how it is um and what will okay. happen is something far away will explode or die and it'll send out a ripple just like we talked about with the news and that will cause some movement within this gassy rocky minerally area and because there's movement going on they'll slowly start to come together and over time that spinning will increase because that's how you know we've talked about you know the space time and gravity and the mass and as the mass you know collects together it spins faster um 
uh, and it'll start to heat up. It's not glowing and it will form a protostar and that's stage two. Uh, if, the proto if a protostar contains enough matter, the central temperature will reach about 15 million degrees centigrade. Oh, as you do. Ah, it's hat. Quoting Will Smith there. Um, and at this temperature, you get to stage three. Nuclear reactions happen when hydrogen fuses to form helium, and then that starts. Okay. And then, then that kicks off like the, the nuclear fusion process, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Then so I'm going to make sure I'm keeping up. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get on stage four. This is when the star begins to uh, release energy. It's stopping it from contracting even more and causing it to shine. Uh, it is now a main sequence star. Main sequence, adult stars. And yep. uh, then it's stage five. The star of one solar mass remains in its main sequence for about 10 billion years. Okay, so we're at a star of one solar mass. So that's like our sun. Yeah. Okay. Is our sun considered small? Um, yeah. Okay. We have a small star. So a massive star, which is the second bit, is about, it has a mass of three times that of our sun. Oh, just a bit bigger. That's where they they start. Oh, at three. It then goes up to fifty. Oh, just a little bit bigger. Yeah. So after <laughs> after you know, <laughs> ten billion years has passed, and all the hydrogen has formed has fused to form helium, so we get to stage six. This is when the helium core now starts to contract further and reactions begin to occur in the shell around the core. In stage seven, the core is not hot enough for the helium to fuse to form carbon and the outer layers begin to expand, cool and shine less brightly. The expanding star is now called a red giant. Okay. Will we say that? Yeah. I, I enjoy uh, that. Is, is that. This is... Uh, in line with our star's path. Yeah, so this is what's okay. going to happen to us. So when our star essentially dies and expands and gets bigger and kills us, or Earth, will burn away Earth, that's because it's expanding out into a red giant. The okay. helium core then runs out and the outer layer drifts uh, drifts of away from the core as well as a gaseous shell. This gas that surrounds the core is called a planetary nebula. Oh, that's cool. It, you know what, mate? It is cool. Uh, <laughs> and then stage nine, the remaining core, that's 80% of the original star, is on its final stages. The core becomes a white dwarf star that eventually cools and dims. When it stops shining, the now star is dead and it's called a black dwarf. I have a question. Yeah. When, let's say we're still around in 10 million years billion sorry when uh it's expanding do you reckon we'll like move earth out of the way uh, assuming we have the technology to do it i think so i don't know if we'll get to uh what's it called sphere the thingy sphere i always forget the name of it i don't know the thing that goes round stars Isaac Asimov. Oh, Dyson Sphere. Yeah, we were, if like I'm not sure if we're gonna get like Dyson Sphere. For I think after even that. if you had a Dyson Sphere, um, the star's gonna die anyway. You can't like a Dyson Sphere is not gonna stop that. It would just get destroyed, right? So you'd move that to a new star at that point. But like, but I'm saying, what if, are you, the ethics if, you, if you've moving... got a Dyson Sphere, right, and you've got yeah. that, and you've got that uh, level of technology. Surely you'd be able to manufacture it to keep it going. So you oh, could maybe. interject into that reaction process to either um, remove give the heavier it metals more, or give it more hydrogen. Yeah. So give it more zip, uh, hydrogen so that the helium has got something to, you know, bind I think to. You could, use. but the amount of hydrogen you would need, it would definitely be easier. So there are some things. So a Dyson sphere, for those people who don't know, is a structure you build around the sun. A solid structure or one that's got like gaps through so you still get light to the planets that need it but basically it absorbs all of the energy radiated by the sun um, and there are a few different th theories about how you could do it but one of them essentially uses the star at the center of a solar system as a giant engine so it takes all the energy but then also uh, 
ejects the energy in a certain direction. So you can basically push the star, right? Um, and that's but because you're pushing the star in a certain direction, it brings all the planets with it. So the entire yep. solar system becomes a spaceship essentially. Um, so I'm sure you could do that to another star and bring it here, and then just push Earth into the habitable zone of that new planet of the new star system. Yeah, or you know, we just drive our Dyson sphere to a different star, and then you just know, do a not drive that by. star. Yeah, yeah, just drive by. Just don't don't even check if there's like people living, things living on like close. Yeah, <laughs> planets. Forget about the ethics. We, we just we just rock up and be like, sorry, guys, gals, and things, and other sexes that don't exist on aliens. Um, yeah. We're taking your star. You can fight us for if you want. <laughs> this is our star now. But we've got a Dyson sphere. <laughs> yeah, we've got a dice of it and can blow up your your planet at a drop of a hat. Tragic, scary times. So yeah, scary times. So moving on to massive stars, humongous stars. Yeah, which as we said before, three to five times the mass of our sun. You have stage one. So a massive star evolves in a similar way to small stars until it re- it reaches its main sequence stage. Okay, which is stage five. So it goes from stages one to four, uh, and then it sh- it, the stars shine steadily until the hydrogen has fused to form helium. It takes a billion years in the small star, but only a million in a massive star because it's the rate the rate of burns more, is quicker. The brightest stars burn the quickest. Yep, left us yep. too soon. Uh, then the I hope we'll talk about anybody in that um, the <laughs> massive star then becomes a red supergiant and starts off with a helium core surrounded by a shell of cooling expanding gas uh, the massive star is much bigger in its expanding stage even compared to you know the the large red giant yeah uh, and then in the next million years a series of nuclear reactions occur forming different elements in the shell around the core then in stage four the core collapses in less than a second causing an explosion called a, called a supernova, supernova in which a shockwave blows off the outer layers of the star again pretty mad know, the actual an actual supernova will shine brighter than the entire galaxy for a short amount of time then the entire galaxy Wow, that's a lot of energy. So if you're like really far away looking at the galaxy and you're like, what What's, what, what was that? Um, yeah, that was the supernova. Supernova. I think, didn't they see one recently through a telescope? Possibly. Um, okay, so they did see one recently through a telescope. Um, I will try and find that and I'll link it somewhere because it's really interesting to see where you can just actually see a supernova happen. Um I mean, to most people, it just looks like a black patch of sky getting brighter for a second. Um, <laughs> but if you're into science and astronomy and physics, you'll find it really cool. <laughs> yeah. So I'll throw that up. In an audio term, in a, a medium, always, I've always wanted to find it. Really. I'll just throw it up there. <laughs> 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 yeah. right. my last bit on stars okay uh, we've got 10 stars. minutes so let's uh, we, we could drag this out <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've got like mate I've got so much on the moon oh the, okay okay the nebula hypothesis oh well okay. um, I'm excited but, to hear it then but, let's but, do it but binary stars are pretty cool and interesting so we'll just go with that so okay. what is a binary star do I was about to ask you exactly this really yeah Okay, well, binary star. It is uh, is a star system consisting of two stars that orbit around their common barycenter. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. I get it now. Barry. Barry. Um, okay, so it's a dual star system. Yeah, kind of. That's been okay. around uh, a barycenter. So a barycenter in astronomy is the center of a mass of two or more bodies that orbit one another and is the point about which the bodies orbit. Hmm. Okay. You follow me here, yeah? Yeah. So, like, if the Earth was by itself, the center of gravity, the barycenter would be the center of Earth, right? Because... Yeah. But because we've got the moon, 
the center of orbit between the Earth and the Moon is actually not the center of Earth because the Moon exerts a bit of gravitational force. So the barycenter is slightly towards the Moon at all points. Yes. That's where that's where I know this from. Um, yeah. Okay. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the way that I imagine it is, if you had like two conkers connected to each other on by a string, the battery center is the middle bit. Ah. Uh, okay. It's the, um, the single point, the dynamic point in the middle where they all spin. Like if you threw them up in the air, imagine two conkers spinning in the air attached by a string. Yeah. Um, that the point that they're spinning rounds the middle point that is the Barry Center. Okay, that makes sense. That's a yeah. much better analogy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had to explain to a non-English person what a conker Ooh. was the other day. Uh yeah. Th- this, they had yeah. never conker, heard of conker them wars. and looked at me like I was a crazy person when I explained what we do with <laughs> conkers. Right. So what you get right is yeah, conker. <laughs> What's a conker? Right. Okay. So. Do you know a, a chestnut tree? No, right, okay. So it's a big <laughs> tree, right, in the UK. <laughs> uh, we, we, yeah. we found the common ground. So for people who don't know what a conquer is, I don't know if they call them conquers in America even or other English-speaking countries, um, but the chestnut trees that drop their fruit, the nuts that drop in green spiky coatings, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. You can't eat them because they're poisonous. So what we do instead is we drill a hole in them <laughs> Put some string yeah. through the hole and then smash them against someone else's chestnut. Well, you're doing it wrong, so that's that's fine. What do you that's, mean I'm doing it wrong? You, you, there's, there's, you've missed a lot of nuances in conquer fighting. Yeah, okay, but the basics. So you, we can talk about boiling. We can talk about icing. We can talk about Boil, cooking. Boiling. No, 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 no. It's the vinegar. You got to, you got to put, you got to put, you, yeah, yeah. You got to, you got to um, let the vinegar absorb it, and then you put it in the oven, and it makes them super hard. That's cheating. That's no, mate. It's not. All you got to do is pick a conker, <laughs> put like... some stringy through it, and smack someone else's conker. <laughs> we don't need no vinegar in here. Yeah, yeah. We ain't do. turning you, up with our right. augmented conkers. Right. <laughs> we ain't okay, prepping and then, this. And then, and then a crucial, a crucial section of this that a lot of people don't know is that when one conker beats another conker, you then have to tie a knot in the string that you've used. To like, okay, so did you oh, explain, did we like a death knot. Yeah, so what you do is you get your conker, you drill a hole in it, put a piece of string through it, and then that's like what you use to whip the other conker yeah. with. Uh, and when, if your conker beats the other conker, you then put a knot in the string. And that so signifies shorter. how, no, a little bit shorter, but it signifies how many conker battles you've conquered. Oh, ah, okay. How many, how many conkers is conquered? Tom and I grew up in the 1940s when there was <laughs> not much. to do in the countryside. We didn't have so no, weird. but we had conkers. <laughs> Back in my day. Yeah, it, makes us, it makes us sound like that. So local yokel. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a fun thing that British kids probably don't do anymore. Um, it's like but sticks. we're in that weird that's generational that crossover, right? Absolutely manacle oh, like hey, poo sticks. you used to play poo sticks and we're like what the f is poo sticks and like well you got a stick right and you chugged it in the water and you watched it float like under a bridge why is it called poo sticks don't know no idea no everyone just called it poo either. sticks yeah it's poo sticks <laughs> is it because um, they did it in winnie the pooh like that could be that could be a thing do you want me to look it up <laughs> Go for Why it. I think we'll tangent for the last bit. I, I just sticks. didn't fully explain what a binary star was. We got to Barry Sense and that's it. And then we got to Conkers. Um, yeah. So why is yeah. it, well, well, Tom's Googling it. Is it, yeah, is it, it is. actually that? Is, is it, it Winnie the Pooh? Actually, to the silly old bear in Milne's stories, who I assume is Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And it's actually spelt Pooh Sticks. Uh, well, yeah, obviously. Uh, like Winnie the Pooh. P-O-O-H. P-O-O-H. Yeah. Anyway, you can get back to binary stars. So binary stars are two stars that are like orbiting around the barrier center, which is like this middle point. Um, the term double star is often used uh, synonymously with a binary star. However, a double star can also mean an optical double star. And optical doubles are so-called because the two stars appear close together in the sky as seen from Earth, like they're almost in a straight line. 
but their doubleness depends only on this optical effect. The stars themselves could be like light massively years apart. Far from me. Okay, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. share they actually share no physical connection whatsoever. So a double star can be revealed as an optical illusion. So that's the difference. It's like a parallax, you know, yeah. measurements, proper motions, all that kind of stuff. That's cool. Are there any trinary star systems? Isn't the middle of the universe got like a quad? Does it? Let's see. Triple star system. Trinary stars or ternary star systems. Oh, it's just not. T okay. Apparently. So Wikipedia has a page on this. Um, but all it does is link you to other pages. No. Uh, nothing's coming up. I thought, like, right at the center of everything, there was, like, something. At the center of each galaxy, there's a black hole. Um, so they are possible... But they are so much more complex and unstable that the likelihood that we view them as they are alive, you know, whilst they're actually happening, is very unlikely. So let's say a star, two star solar systems collide, and you end up, or three collide, and you end up with a trinary system. That's not mm -hmm. going to last long enough because it's so unstable. They'll collide into each other or they'll fling each other apart that us actually viewing it is quite unlikely, is what I'm getting from a very, very quick Wikipedia read. Huh. Um, but quadruple star systems, this came out last year, a paper on this, um, generate supernovae because they cause all four stars to collide in on each other, rapidly evolve into a supernova. Ah, oh, Universe Today, Tess, finds almost 100 quadruple star systems. So this was in 2022. 100 quadruple star systems were found uh, using the NASA's Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite, or TESS. Um, so that sounds like a lot, but 100 systems in all of the systems that we know about is a very, very tiny percentage. And these are just candidates. They're not all confirmed. But it essentially right. happens when two binary systems collide. Words go like so a supermassive black hole. Okay, yeah, love that album. The center of <laughs> love that, love that. <laughs> just, <laughs> uh, ours is just yeah, no, I just love love the sun of that. It's a really big black hole is at the center of our as well as of our stuff. Okay, so is a supermassive black hole to the galaxy what the sun is to our solar system? Keeping everything in gravitational Spinning. check. Yeah. Do you know that image that we got from... Uh, that looked like an orange ring? Yeah. Yeah, it's that. That's what the oh, image was. If you, okay. if you cast your mind back... So when they imaged the black hole for the first time and everyone was like, ah... Oh. Some people disappointed. Some people were yeah. over the moon. Um... <laughs> Yeah, that was the, that was the one in the center of our galaxy. Okay. Yeah, because it's the bright, the biggest. Uh, makes sense. Brightest. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, any any moon facts? Any moon things you want to dive in on quickly? Uh, in 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 a minute. No. Okay, that's fine. Maybe we'll come back to this then. Cool. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up there for this episode then. Yeah. Thanks for joining hope uh, the tangents weren't too bad and um, if they were at least now you know about conkers so and let poostics. us know your conquer and poostic strategy anywhere you're able to leave a comment or hit us up on twitter at info entropy pod tiktok at info entropy pod instagram information entropy pod and of course whichever directory you're listening to on right now if you can give us a like a rating a follow a share you can just copy a link you don't actually have to send it to anyone that still counts yeah um, and if you if you think that vinegaring your conkers is cheating, hit us up. Let us know. 
And then my vinegared conquer will fight with your unvinegared conquer, and we'll see who will win. We're going to have a meetup. And we'll have a war of vinegared versus non vinegared. It's coming, it's coming into conquer season. Like, it spring's is. coming. Uh, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Get your conkers out and vinegared. But also, what sort of like string are you using? Are you using like string? Are you using like baby twine? Like, pa- pa- hmm. <laughs> right. Hmm. We're going to have your like completely one sided tournament and then. All the fun people are going to have a tournament where it's standardized equipment. You get given a conquer. <laughs> Stand- oh, you, yeah, you get given a drill. For it. You get given the same type of string, and you just go from there. Uh, do you know what? Length of string is is a contentious point, and I am oh, with hundred percent. And uh, this like, is why I was surprised because... you were tying knots in to signify victory because that makes it harder. Yeah, there's still the that because, you, you know, you, you, you got to kneecap yourself a little bit to give everyone else, you know. Yeah. A uh, little help. All right. Well, taking you on a tour of the universe from stars to conquers, we have been the Information Entropy Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Ciao for now.